Here we go, another season of overindulging. I'm eating foods I don't want to eat at relatives' houses. My kids are being fed things that I wish were never invented. I'm losing my mind. 80-20 is out the window. Sugar plums are dancing on my hips. Is the overindulging worth it? How can I survive traveling? How can I survive going to somebody's house? And what am I supposed to serve when I'm hosting when nobody wants my liver and jello mold? Okay, how can you eat well and stay sane if you're hosting? What ancestral dishes can you prepare in advance of the bustling season? Are you going to spend your entire Christmas in the kitchen or do you actually get to enjoy things but not have to totally compromise by buying a ton of pre-made food that's too expensive and honestly too overprocessed? Are you going to be suffering from overindulgence headaches or are you going to be feeling at your peak optimum and best health for getting through a very exciting season? And the perennial question, what can you bring to a holiday that doesn't feel like a moral compromise, but that other people will actually eat? If you want to spend more of your holiday sitting around, listening to the fire pop, enjoying good music, not feeling bad when you travel and indulging in nutritious, nourishing foods, this is the episode for you. Allison and I have spent years cultivating the Christmases that serve us and the Christmas that feels the way we want it to feel by nourishing our body and soul and warming our heart and spirit. In this episode, we will share our favorite tips and our answers to these questions and the traditions we have created for our families to enjoy, how we shape our loves and our affections. And I think at the end of this episode, we will hear you exclaim ere you scroll out of sight, happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast with Allison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea living on a newly created family farm in Northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello, Andrea. Hello, Alison. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's cold here today and it's been raining really heavily Ooh. all day. So it's dark and wintry and kind of just the right sort of weather. Well, actually, your weather is mm -hmm. probably the right sort of weather for this episode, uh -huh. isn't it? Do you still have snow? Uh, not really, but it frosted so heavily last night that it looked like it snowed outside. So Okay, so everything's white. Cold. Mm-hmm. So that's perfect for our Christmas episode then. Yes, it is. Indeed. I'm excited. Have I you had breakfast? No, but I suppose I'm supposed to just tell you the last thing I ate, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, last night we had a really nice light brothy soup and I cooked some, I had a bunch of ground beef that I got out mm -hmm. and I mixed it with some salt, some pepper, some herby essential oils like sage and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I just made a bunch of really thin, thin, thin patties and fried them super lightly. Mm -hmm. So then you make yourself a bowl of brothy soup, put a couple of patties on top. It was so good. So nice. that was my dinner and it was perfect. <laughs> I love the fact that you put oils in the food rather than the actual, you know, herbs or dried herbs or fresh herbs. Does it yeah. taste, does it taste the same? Can you tell the difference? Mm, I think it's better because it tastes like I really took the time to pound out all the oils and extract them and get them into it instead yeah. of, um, you know, my dried, dried sage after a while starts to lose its flavor. So yeah, yeah I love it. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, yeah, I had stew perfect for this time oh, of year. Nice. Um, yeah. I made a really big pot at the weekend with oxtail and, um, I last time I had to blend it because Gable wouldn't eat the in quotes blobby bits. <laughs> but this time yeah. I I started it with the meat and just meat and water, and then I took as it got kind of falling off the bone, I took the meat out and I chopped it up really really mm. small while it was still warm, so the blobby bits were really small. And then I put it back in the nice. stock pot and then I added lots of cavallo nero. Um, 
a beautiful squash. We haven't eaten squash for ages mm. um, because we were for a while working with lectin, potential lectin sensitivities. But there was a gorgeous squash at the farmer's market last week. Really heavy, you know, not much air in the middle, just solid kind of orangeness. <laughs> yeah. So that went in and lots of leeks and some spices and I think that's all it was very very nice so I've been just putting it I had put it in the fridge and then I've been heating it up for Mm -hmm. lunch this week we had that with sourdough spelt bread and lard on the bread some salt on the lard and a bit of sauerkraut perfect very 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 good do you do you find that I find sometimes with I don't know what you want to call it, weird ingredients. If I chop things really, really small, I can get away with a lot more. Mm. I think it's true. I think it's true. Yeah. He's once in this week when he's been eating it, he said, mm, what's this? Pick something out. <laughs> and I said, I'll just give that bit to dad. <laughs> just go, he ate the rest. It was fine. I obviously missed yeah. that bit. Didn't get it quite so small. But yeah, yeah. I think that, that chopping small can hide a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So It I, just makes I it more... It more homogenous maybe yeah um easier easier to get it down because you're not just focusing on chewing this big chunk forever yeah completely and yeah and I didn't want to blend it merely because I didn't want to blend up the squash you know I've not had squash for so long I wanted to see those chunks and taste those chunks Mm -hmm. of squash I didn't want them all blended up so I love squash oh indeed it was I love squash It was really beautiful, you know, seeing Massey's, the guy who grows the vegetables, some of them at the market Uh that we buy, and the squash was their whole. And I said to him, how much does this cost? And he weighed it and it was really heavy. I felt how heavy it was. And I said, could we have half? So he said, yes. And he cut into it and he looked at it and he was so proud. He was like, oh, Oh. look at that. I'm really proud. That's just absolutely beautiful. And it, it felt really nice to... To bring that, that home and, and know how he felt about growing it. So, do you know what kind of squash it was? There's like, mm, and so thousands many. of varieties of squash. There's it was so many. It was an orange one. Does that help? <laughs> not really. No. <laughs> it was. It was round, too. not as big as a pumpkin, mm. and it instead of going up at the top like pumpkins do, it kind of went back in on itself, and it had a bluey wow. kind of grey, greeny skin. Not particularly mm. tough, um, but not to be. Turban squash, the way you describe it, maybe a bit like that. But I don't know. That's amazing. Our neighbor, she grows a lot of winter squashes and things. I mean, she grows a lot of everything. But right now, winter squash is the thing, and she's been bringing me boxes of it. Oh my goodness! Including wow. decorative squash, you know, ones yeah, that you yeah. put on the table. And man, it's all so good. She gave us this big long one called a candy squash okay oh my word allison really good (laughs) first of all it makes like five dinners Mm. but um it's so good you can roast it you can blend it i made the last of the one that i was working my way through i roasted it in the oven with just a little bit of butter and honey brushed on and then i Mm. blended it all i didn't i was like i don't know just see what happens Mm. and basically me and Hannah couldn't stop eating it yeah. out of the bowl with a spoon. It was yeah. so good. That's kind of, I, it's supposed to be, I do that with butternut squash sometimes. I call it butternut squash soup, but it's just basically blended up butternut yeah. squash. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. good. Very good. Yeah. Lovely. So right. today, before we um, move on to our topic, I want to welcome some new patrons. So we have four new patrons since the last time we did a roll call. So welcome Zara, Deb, Diana, who is our first annual patron, which is a new option that patron have allowed us to offer with a discount. And also Lauren. So a couple of them are already on the Discord um, because I've talked to them on there. Um, Welcome to all of you. And if you're listening and you're thinking about becoming a patron, do head over to patreon.com forward slash ancestral kitchen podcast to have a look and yeah. see the goodies That's that we awesome. have thank you i have a review as well to read every now and again That's i remember exciting. to <laughs> look and see if there are any reviews and so i have one here from kombucha addict 
And the title is (laughs) Encouraging and Informative. I learned of this podcast from the Wise Traditions podcast. It has encouraged and inspired me to dig into ancestral eating more than I have been. I have owned the Nourishing Traditions book for years, but sadly have not completely followed its principles because it can be overwhelming. Thank you, Alison and Andrea, for simplifying it for me. Thank you, Combusher Addict, for leaving us that review, which was five stars. That is so kind. That's nice to hear. Thank you. Indeed. So let's move on. And um, the title of this episode (laughs) is Our Christmas Survival Guide. And (laughs) it might sound a bit clickbaity, but basically when I asked for questions for this episode from our patrons... Most of them seem to be, help me survive Christmas. So I thought, well, it's basically what we're going to talk about. So, um, yeah, let's um, dive in and see if we can help people not only survive, but get the most out of whatever Mm -hmm. circumstances they find themselves in this Christmas. Yes. Okay, shall I start? I think you should. Yeah, okay. So the first topic that I wanted to talk about which kind of comes from my old life coaching days, is I think it's really important to get clear on what's important to you over Christmas. Mm -hmm. And having that knowledge, you can then frame what you're doing, frame your um, actions, frame what you say to people, frame what you're cooking, frame how you choose to spend your time around that. And that will leave you at the end, hopefully, more satisfied because you've got what you wanted so I think for some people Christmas is a rest that certainly feels for me and Rob Mm -hmm. that Christmas is a break for us it's a rest so Mm -hmm. do you want to rest do you want to cook do you want to explore and make new dishes do you want to have fun do you want to go and see friends either far or near do you want to be with your family do you want to do the things that you know, you're supposed to do your duty to look after those around you. Um, what is it that is important for you to get out, out of the festive and to give during the festive period? Um, for, for me, yeah. like I just alluded to, and for Rob, it's a rest. Gabriel's not at school. Yes. Our routine is different. We're not getting up at 6.30 every morning. And we don't, Rob doesn't have so much work to do. I try to take a break. And so it's about being together, spending time mm-hmm. together, really savouring that time and doing things that we wouldn't necessarily have time to do at other times and to rest, relax, you know, kind of take our foot off the pedal a bit. Mm-hmm. How about for you, like Andrea? Well, you said do things mm. that we don't usually have time to do. Like what? Yeah, so like play board games. Well, you know, we, we read yes. all the time, but we don't necessarily have time to play board games. Mm-hmm. So usually board games come out at Christmas. Often I will sit around and I'll listen to Christmas services, which, you know, mm-hmm. listening to the radio for an hour, hour and a half, I don't usually do. Sit mm-hmm. around with my feet up, frankly. Cook more kind of different food than I normally would do. So rather than just being on the treadmill, I've got to do lunches, make sure we've got this ready and this. I can say, oh, actually, I fancy cooking that. And I can do it joyfully because there's enough space and time around me that I don't feel pressured. That kind of thing. I love that. Mm, Your Christmas has, um, ever since I met you, really touched and inspired me for our Christmas to make sure that I am also because I find those are the things that I want too, Allison. Mm-hmm. That I also want the you know the space, I guess, mm-hmm. not just a chaotic continuation. So for us, Christmas is um is centered really around I want to celebrate the whole Advent season mm-hmm. and take in all those Advent-related activities that we love. So reading specific Christmassy scriptures, Mm -hmm. listening to Handel's Messiah. And um, if if somebody listened to our last year's Christmas episode, I think Mm -hmm. I mentioned on there, 
kitten is jumping up and trying to go on the table. Um, uh, Cindy's book, um, Handles Messiah, her Handles Messiah book. Yeah, I remember. And uh, Hallelujah Celebration, I think it was called. And basically the Messiah is split up into 25 or 24 parts or something. And so she's like, look, you can listen to a part every day. And so it's kind of a meditation to sit and listen to it. And you can read through the, what do you call it, Allison? The lyrics? <laughs> the libretto? Um, libretto, yeah. I'd call it the libretto. <laughs> libretto. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you can read through that, which is itself basically that's scripture too. Yeah. So um, that's really, really meditative. Um, so we like to attend church services with our family and at our church also. And I really love the emphasis my parents always placed. And, you know, we were a big family, lots of little kids, but I always felt like we got a constant exposure to the arts because they made an effort to take us whenever big churches and things would put on concerts. And, you know, Allison, those yeah. are quite professional. They're not always just amateur performances yeah. although I do enjoy, enjoy amateur things as well but um so music plays concerts recitals those are really important for us in the Christmas season you made me think um, about um I've just started singing at the American church in Florence and they have a service on Christmas Eve which oh. I'm hoping to sing at and I'm really thinking that it would be lovely if Rob and Gable would come into Florence so we could go look at the Christmas tree in front of the oh, Duomo, man, see it all lit cool. up, and then I'll go and sing in the choir. They can sit in the congregation. Yeah. And Gable loves Gable sings Christmas carols all throughout the year. He sings Jingle Bells and, and Hark the Herald Angels Sing in July. So he can sing some carols, oh, hopefully, it. and it would just be a, a beautiful kind of start to the actual Christmas celebrations. It makes me think about yeah. it. I, I love that. And as a kid, those were very influential on me. I know because me and my siblings were always setting up little recitals and concerts and plays and dressing up and things like that and calling our parents upstairs and then putting on performances for them. So I know they had a big impact on us all. Allison, you reminded me that I have a very distinct memory of being quite small, um, probably less than five, mm. and sitting in the back of the car and singing Hark the Herald Angels singing and I don't know what I was saying but I remember my parents just like stifling their laughter so hard oh. so I wonder what words I was providing that's sweet <laughs> carols, Anyways, are, um, carols are so important to me over Christmas because yes, I uh, I mean me I know you've said that you sang in a church choir I grew up singing in a church choir like three times a week for well over a decade yes. more like 15 years and you know Christmas was so wonderful we used to sing midnight mass and mm -hmm. be together with lots of kind of younger friends really excited to be up at midnight for Christmas day yes. and <laughs> it feels like those carols hold me in a place that I yeah. just love to be in and so indulging in them and them taking me to that space over Christmas helps me remember those feelings that I want to mm -hmm. encourage and I want to to have over mm -hmm. the Christmas period. They're like a tool. Yeah. Mm. And if if somebody's listening to this now and they haven't heard last year's Christmas episode, Alison, you talked about King's Choir last year. Yeah. And right. that is linked in our show notes for the last episode on Christmas mm. from last year. So definitely go check that out. Yeah. Definitely. So of course I love like you said, I love to read winter-themed poetry, stories and fairy tales to the kids. There's a lot of those out there. Um, anything Russian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, watch a few Christmas-themed movies. We usually don't do very many, but we'll usually do like three. Mm -hmm. um, and then I like to bake and cook special mm -hmm. Christmas treats with the kids, which they expect. So um I know what the tradition is because they say, aren't we gonna, <laughs> don't we always <laughs> I'm like, Oh, well, we did that last year. I guess we always do it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we like to make a gingerbread house every year mm -hmm. and they like to make ginger cookies and then they make Christmas cookies to leave out for Santa. And of course Santa drinks raw milk. Everybody knows that. Yeah. So leave <laughs> out good raw milk. <laughs> um, and they like to make cookies that you can roll out and then cut shapes. Mm -hmm. Those are really fun. And then, of course, 
a roasted turkey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Delicious. yeah, I feel like there's something that floated through my head there, but I forgot it. But I, I think, I think it, a lot of us are mm-hmm. adding your gingerbread as a tradition this year. Well, that I have got so many doughs on the go for the fermented gingerbread. I don't quite know how I think I have to give the cookies to more people than I gave the cookies to last year because I mixed another one today I mixed up a a oat um, dough which is literally just rolled oats that I blasted until they turned into flour and I've mixed those with honey so I've got two rye ones two spout ones and two and one oat one on the go now so that's I think we must be getting into the hundreds of cookies kind of area (laughs) and and I don't really eat that many of them at all um but Gabriel will take some into school and we can give people them and then that will be really nice I think that when I listen to you talk about all those things it just makes me think of the word joyful and I feel like joy Mm. is something that is very very important to to both of us and to the festive season and using our space that we are living in and making that joyful feels like a really important thing to me and I remember last year seeing your Instagram pictures of the beautiful decorations that you've made out of literally what's outside your back door and I wanted you to talk us talk to us about those for a little while and how that's part of your Christmas and what you do yes because I'm starting my plans for that now. Um, Actually, I guess I should say as I'm recording this, I'm starting my plans for that now. Mm -hmm. But if you're listening to this, then probably already have pictures up on my Instagram. Yeah, go go look. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So before somebody says, but of course you live in the forest. Um, I started this when we lived in town and I am a big fan of, well, Alison, I think that we talked about this on the last Christmas episode. I'm trying to remember so I don't repeat myself, Mm -hmm. but um, if you just try to do things with within the budget you have which for me is uh, was has typically always been none (laughs) Mm, mm. there's no budget for decorations necessarily or if there is we spend it on lights for hanging like on the eaves or whatever but um I like making the inside of the house look pretty and so I just thought well I guess I'll just have to get creative with what I have around me and of course, drawing on inspiration from medieval greening and colonial sort of decorations, which are all, you know, they didn't have Hobby Lobby or um, things like that. And uh, decorations are a lot like when we talk about food. Oh, there's a cat up here. Let's see if she's going to hit the microphone. Hello. Hello, Athena. <laughs> she like, wants to check it out. Um, a lot of the things you see in the store are just imitating sort of the free, cheap, available, ancestral things of before. You know what I mean? Mm, Like, Alison, have you seen, you know, sort of aged-looking dishes or um, old-looking trays, you know, or fake branches and things like that? Um, Oh, here's another cat. Oh, my goodness. Hello, Paula. So, um. I like to forage, find, ask neighbors who are trimming hedges, cutting branches down if I can have them, watch after windstorms for things that come down and just pile it all on the table and just try to think, okay, how can I make this come together? So mobiles are really fun, I think, because you can do, part of the reason why I started doing those was because I can only find tiny bits of things. And with tiny bits of things, you can do mobiles. Um, I know you've done those, Allison. Yeah. And um, just like a, a big branch or even a curtain rod, if you can't find a branch, you know, um, and then just using string, I would tie on popcorn or cranberries or um, little branches. Now we have feathers from birds that we could tie on and um, you could hang ornaments from it. Just trying to be creative with what I have, of course, dried oranges and things yep. like that from the summertime. If I had those and I actually reserved a bag specifically for it so I've got some ready to go oh, for wonderful. my mobile okay yeah um and then over the last couple of years I've slowly started to accumulate some wooden beads here and there so now I'm thinking I'm gonna use mm-hmm. some wooden beads to hang um make some pretty things um but you know you can see Allison that's one of those things where year over year I can build up my 
collection and my skill and make it look more and more beautiful. But in the beginning, I just feel lucky if I have a tree up and then later I feel lucky if I have a tree and a mobile and, mm. <laughs> you know, um, and as the kids get bigger, it gets, easy, it gets easier too. That's been the same here. You know, I haven't kept all of my decorations from year to year, but I've kept some. No. And those some, the some that I keep, then mm-hmm. you, you kind of build in it like pine cones. I've kept pine cones. Yes, really and then ones, as yeah. it goes on, I've had more and more pine cones and I decorate them with um, paint that I make oh, from nice. casein and um, mica, which is sparkly. And so that kind of thing. And the oranges, the oranges uh-huh. are around here now because they're a winter. They're really available in winter citrus. So mm-hmm. um, we've got those and use those a lot. Um, but I mean, your the stuff you've done with with the branches and um, that I've seen is just absolutely beautiful. Um, do you yeah. use something to make them stay together, or do you kind of twist them round themselves? Mm. So Hannah is really I don't know how she learned how to do this, but she can make um, wreaths. Like she made wreaths two years ago, over two mm-hmm. years ago when she was out here the first time, and um, so she would find all these, you know, whippy sort of branches mm-hmm. and basically weave and braid them together into a really tight ring, quite large. And then she made small ones I too, yeah. with basically with twigs. I don't know how she did it. And then, then she would decorate that. She would start to tie on branches and citruses and things like that. And then what we did at the end of the year was we just took all the branches and citruses off and then put the branches away, you know, the um, the woven piece away. So we'll have that for next year. I don't myself know how to do that. <laughs> so I don't do that. I just, um, like when I made the the big mobile with all the branches on it, it looks quite, you know, big and clustered and everything but I only had tiny twigs of pine so I had to tie them all on with uh thread because I didn't I didn't have any big ones at all at that time um so yeah and then dead sticks and ferns and Mm. things like that look really nice in mason jars and you can make quite tall um centerpieces or corner pieces and um, if you really want, well, actually you put have, them in the mason jar. You're saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, like really big branches. That. Okay, yeah, they look really nice, especially if you have tall mason jars. And I have a lot of tall old ones. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's surprising what you can do with dead stuff. <laughs> so there's one more thing that I wanted to add on here, which I think I didn't talk about last year, which is mm-hmm. like we have a kind of a homemade in quotes Christmas tree, which is yes, something I love it. which I spent a year making really it's embroidery hoops like they're just one of the embroidery hoops they usually come in two embroidery hoops but just like a a wooden ring Mm -hmm. a light wooden ring and I've got three different sizes in total there's about 30 of them and I painted them in green and then I arranged them in the shape of a tree like a big triangle and tied them together with some jute string and then every year we make like the centre of each circle, we make a kind of a cardboard bauble, as it were, to, to hang in the circle. So usually I just use packaging boxes that have um, been delivered to the house, cut the circles out, and then Gabriel draws some things, yep. or we've collected things from outside and made them into, and you know, tied them up with string and hung them from inside the circles. And then it, it goes on the wall um, for about two weeks before Christmas and maybe 10 days afterwards. And it just, it's wonderful because it's out of the way. Our house is very small. So it's on the wall, it's out of the way, but every year it's different. And I know I painted every single one of those circles and tied them mm-hmm. together. And, you know, we've either collected the stuff to go in there like like you have, or we've drawn them and we've we've used all upcycled stuff. You know, there's nothing plastic, there's nothing new. It. It's all old stuff. And it, it's just that's our Christmas tree now. I and mean, I I can't maybe in the future we'll have a Christmas tree, but I can't imagine anything different at the moment. It's um it's something that really brings that joy into our space here. Maybe I'll try and find a picture of it and put it somewhere where no, people can No, you should see because it. I've seen pictures of it before and I love it. It's so beautiful. It's on and my it's so um, inspirational for small spaces. There's some pictures on my art Instagram 
which is Alice and Faith K. Um, I think they're up there. Maybe I'll try and put them somewhere else. But it's, um, yeah, just think outside the box. You know, I've seen people with Christmas trees made of twigs. I've seen people with Christmas trees made mm -hmm. of driftwood, mm -hmm. made of, you know, loads of different things. And it's a chance to to use time creatively to build something that, that will bring right. you joy. Really, really nice. You know what? We're uh, burning in our stove right now. <laughs> um, Gary's parents... I, I told you that Gary and his dad were cutting down trees on his parents' property. They cut down 13 trees mm. and they were all Christmas trees that somebody had planted there mm. before they ever moved out there that were already too big when they moved out there, you know. Mm. And I've learned since moving out here that that's something that a lot of people do who live on a big piece of property is they'll plant a few Christmas trees and then every year they'll plant one or two more. Oh, so I then see. as the years go by, they keep unrolling back. They have a new tree ready every Clever. year. Yeah, isn't that pretty brilliant? Mm. And then if somebody just doesn't take them for a while, they just kind of grow and become a tree somewhere. Yeah. And then now they're fueling our fire for the winter. Does, do you smell the, the fact that they're Christmas trees? Do you smell the pine? Oh, I mean, when you're picking up the logs, for sure. Very resinous. Yeah, yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about food because... Why not? We always talk about food, don't we? <laughs> and I think <laughs> there's a lot, you know, food and Christmas just uh, are synonymous. But also there can be a lot oh, yes. of stress and worry about mm. food over Christmas. Yeah. And I think that was part of our thinking of creating a Christmas survival guide. So there's kind of two situations that we might be in um, over Christmas with food. Either we're hosting and we've got people coming to us or we're going somewhere else and we wanted to address those two kind of separately so first of all yeah. if you are hosting um we came up with well we've got lots of ideas for how you can best mm. deal with that um my idea really is just do as much as you can before the day. You know, you don't want your Absolutely. Christmas day to be stressful. You don't want to be over a stove, sweating, you know, not being able to, to dress in the way that you want to, worrying about things yes. boiling over or not being able to time things properly. You want to be with whomever you're spending that time with. So mm -hmm. cook as much as you can in advance and don't be too adventurous with what you're doing. Um, and then ask people for help. I mean, we say that over and over again in plenty of our episodes. Take the people in your household and get them doing stuff. You know, get someone peeling, get someone chopping, get someone stirring. And I think that those are really important. Remember, you can eat cold food. It doesn't all have to be hot. Mm -hmm. um, so you can prepare stuff. You know, literally a couple of days before, as we know, if you're making a dish that has lots of different flavours like spices in it, sometimes those taste better after a couple of days in the fridge mm -hmm. anyway, because those yeah. flavours actually, you know, get to sit with each other. Mm -hmm. So those I think are my, is my two cents on that. Andrea, what would you say if you're hosting Christmas are your tips? I agree. First of all, when people say, can I bring something? Just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and if they if they need guidance, give them something that you you know say. Oh, could you bring fruit? You know, mm -hmm. um, there's things people can bring that is easy for them to bring, and um, you don't have to wonder really how how it will be. Um, but I agree with making things in advance if possible. Do you want me to read the list real quick of Yeah, cool you things? have an amazing list of things yeah. that I was like, oh my gosh, if I needed to think about what I could make, I'd want to hear this list. <laughs> so please do, yeah. Yeah, so not all of this necessarily has to be served cold, but it's all things you can do ahead. And my mom, efficiency expert with eight kids, is always a fan of doing things ahead as much as possible. So make mayonnaise because there's so many salads and spreads and sauces and dips and things that you make around Christmas time that need mayo. And when you make it with whey, it'll last longer in your fridge. So make your mayo, Things, other things you can make ahead a couple days or more, potato salad, egg salad, deviled eggs, macaroni or any pasta salad, coleslaw, which is one of my favorites, beet slaw, mm. Obviously, all of those, I put kraut juice in everything, so they will all <laughs> <Yeah>. be <laughs> probiotic and they'll sit well in the fridge. Mm. Um, gelatin dishes, and you can get really elaborate with doing layers, different juices, or making cream layers for those, of course. 
Um, gingerbread sits mm. very well. Some baked goods you can do a day or two ahead. But if you're wanting to do things like dinner rolls and things like that, I do prefer my baked things fresh. So I would make a big batch of dough and keep mm. that in the fridge because yeah. then you can just pull out maybe if you're doing some rolls for um, Christmas Eve and then breadsticks on Christmas Day, even you can use the same dough for that. Um, soups, you can almost always make ahead and then reheat them and blended soups the same. Pumpkin or squash pie <clears throat> and lard pie crust. My mom, every year she makes a lot of pie crust raw dough and then she just balls them up and puts them in the freezer and then as the holidays unroll she unrolls the mm. dough mm. and that really does speed things up um cranberry sauce i agree allison this is one of those things like you said the longer it sits the better yeah. so make that early make it well um and of course you could do a fermented chutney cranberry chutney something like that as well um, oh, Lexi just sent me her favorite cranberry chutney, fermented chutney the other day, actually. Mm -hmm. I'll link that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. um, cooked cold turkey, ham or chicken or beef. Yeah. You can use cold meat for about one billion different things. Yeah, completely. Homemade hot cocoa. Um, just sometimes when you're making things from scratch, there's just a few more steps than if you're opening packets and things like that. Or if you're doing Sally Fallon's raw milk warmer or something, just make a big batch of it and then pour it into half gallon jars or milk jars and store it in the fridge. And then when you have people over or it's, you know, a tradition for us on Christmas Eve, having hot chocolate with cookies, then um, you can just take it out of the fridge and heat it in a pan. Of course, whipped cream. I like to make that and put it in containers because then, you know, if you're doing hot cocoa Christmas Eve at night, you don't want to be mixing stuff. Homemade eggnog. We go through gallons and gallons of that every mm. year. Um, and fudge. There's a lot of different varieties you can make, including some that are even paleo. I think they would maybe be gaps approved. I'd have to go and look now. Mm. Um like banana fudges and things that you can make and store in the freezer. And then also gravy. Gravy is one of those things that you can make gallons of it at a time um, and just have it done, you know, whenever you, whenever you want yeah. to serve dinner. Sounds wonderful. Really. I think yeah, um, I'm hungry. Yeah. I think <laughs> we're, we're putting together a kind of Christmas hamper for the Patreons and I think hopefully we'll put that, I, I want you to put that list in there along with all the other goodies that we're going to put in there so yeah. they can actually see that and, and think about it. I wanted to, I think this is a good moment to read out the advice that Ellie passed on to me, Ellie yes. from Ellie's Every Day, yes. because she's doing Christmas in Australia. So, of course, for you and me, it's cold here now. But for mm -hmm. her, it's warm at Christmas. And she's so down to earth and practical that I thought she would have some wisdom to pass on. And I just want to read what she said to me. So she says, my best advice for surviving Christmas is to follow your instinct and do what feels good and right for you and your family, even if that breaks all the rules. Keep it small and simple. Make it lavish. Do it how you want to do it. Find your joy and go with that. Taking the pressure off and giving permission to take it a bit easier is important. I think it's about the special time, being with the loved ones, celebrating the year, reflecting, relaxing. That's the most important thing. As long as you have something yummy and fun to eat, it doesn't have to be fancy, and everyone's happy, and that's all that matters. So I, I love that because I, I feel like it. you've got permission to do something amazing if that's what you want to do. And, you know, every we have a tradition in our house right, right. where every Christmas I make something that I've never made before. And that's what we eat. We've done that now for at least five years, if not more. And, you know, that's what kind of jives with me. That's what I like. And that's what our situation has allowed me to do so far. But, you know, if you're someone who wants to do something completely simple and just eat something that you've eaten all the time before and not follow the traditions, then... Like she mm -hmm. says, and like we said at the top of the episode, it's about going with your joy. That's the most important yeah. thing. I cool. think that's important, Alison, because 
just as I'm listening to Ellie say that, I was thinking about just my own experience of Christmas throughout the years. And I've told you before how my mom is just so, so magical at traditions and things like that. And somebody might hear that and say, well, I can't keep up with the traditions every year. Well, she had a new baby every other year, you know, every other year of my childhood, there was a new baby. So it wasn't like she just had unlimited time Mm. and she very easily dropped, adapted and picked up, but she, she kept her core of the things that were important. Like Ellie said, as long as you have something yummy, but I've told you before, it was often not elaborate. I mean, I remember most of the time our Christmas dinners were I think I told you they were buffet style, crackers and cheese, macaroni salad, things you could pick up and eat, deviled eggs, very, very simple. Yeah. And then other years, as us girls were growing older, we said, we want to roast a turkey and we knew how to do it. We want to make cinnamon rolls from scratch, you know? Yeah. But my mom was, it was not beneath her to buy cinnamon rolls from the store if that was what she needed to do. And then in other years, I was making, you know, sourdough, homemade cinnamon rolls and, um, but it just, it, it evolves. But all I remember is how happy they all were. Yeah, that's wonderful. Your mom is amazing. <laughs> I, know. I know, she is. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the people who are going somewhere else for Christmas. So oh, yes. either they're going to, and potentially somewhere that, you know, doesn't eat ancestrally, maybe it's kind of mainstream, mm-hmm. sad American diet, standard American diet, sad American diet. Um, What would be your your advice to um, someone who's going somewhere else? And we had a question from Zara, who's one of the patrons, saying Mm -hmm. she couldn't even take food to someone else's house because she's flying in, so she can't take food on the plane. So talk about kind of going somewhere else and try to cover, if you can, because I know you can, about flying Mm -hmm. in somewhere for us. Okay, that has happened to me where I'm flying somewhere and I can't, you know, pack it in my suitcase, right? So what I've done is I've done two different things. One, I've booked in a stop at Whole Foods on my way to where I'm going. Um, I don't shop at Whole Foods when I'm at home, but I do when I'm abroad, if you will. Mm. And the other thing I've done is I've, and I've actually booked this, days in advance is I've booked a Whole Foods delivery to the Uh, place where I'm going to go stay. mm -hmm. So also a lot of the things that I need, if you will, can sit for a few days. So um, I always buy sauerkraut if I'm going somewhere, different ferments, kimchi or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Then eggs, good bread and butter. At least I have right there a version of a meal. Um, I don't, I don't get too over the top if somebody's serving a turkey that they bought at the store, I'm just going to eat it. And then I know I've kind of got the basics there and it isn't a perfect solution, but if you're going to cafes or things like that, and just look for paleo or keto as options that often will help you avoid some of the big bad ones. It is not perfect, mm-hmm. but it, it'll get you like the eggs are probably cooked in seed oils, but it'll get you closer if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've done before. And usually if you go somewhere, people are really kind and accommodating of your food sensitivities. Number one, if you phrase it as a food sensitivity, Mm. and if they don't just think you are being a picky eater that is looking down your nose at them. Mm. And two, if you're not a jerk about it, like, oh, gross, I cannot eat your disgusting, is that a GMO turkey? Keep it away from me. (laughs) You know, don't be a jerk about it. And Three, if you just make a good faith effort to handle your own needs, hey, I know I have such weird food sensitivities, but I did bring this and I was wondering if if I could make the dessert for tonight, yeah. you know, um, so show yeah. that you're not. I think that you couldn't not. have said that better. Really? You know, it's uh, <laughs> some of it is just diplomacy and remembering you're in someone else's space, but then a lot of it is you can bring things in, even like you said, if you're flying, um, but also you can choose what to eat. I think it's important to remember that it's only one meal. Right. So like mm-hmm. you said, if you're having turkey bought from a supermarket, then I just eat it because it's only one yeah. meal. And I don't do that for the yeah. other 364 days of my year. But also I think, you know, I've been at Christmas at other people's houses and I've been able to kind of pick and choose what I can eat. 
Um, it means that I'm, I'm not like stuffed and rolling around on the sofa after Christmas dinner, but who wants to be, frankly? And so I can choose, you know, <laughs> no. a bit of the meat and then some of the vegetables, but maybe stay away from some of the other things that are on the table that I wouldn't like. And if there's few different desserts including fruit salad then I would you know and Gables at the table maybe I would give him a small piece of one of the desserts and I'd say he could have you know a, a, big, a big bowl of fruit salad it you can choose what you want to eat from mm-hmm. you know a spread on a table and not f- not feel like you have to just eat everything because Absolutely. someone's put it there or because it's Christmas um yeah I know that's often hard depending on who the person is but it goes back to what we said at the beginning about you know your values and staying true to those and if you don't want to feel like rubbish after Christmas day because you've been at someone else's house then then Mm -hmm. trying to navigate that consciously is is possible in most cases that's what I found in my life Again, what like you said, diplomacy, be complimentary about the things you are eating that you do get to enjoy. If if I see somebody coming to my house and picking through 12 things I put out and only eating three of them, and they come and tell me how much they enjoyed those three, yeah. as a hostess, does it matter to me which things they enjoyed? As yep. long as they enjoyed something, I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with you, Allison. It is just one meal, and and that when you when you asked where to um, where to bend a little bit, um, mm. is that a separate question or is that wrapped in this question? I can't remember. No, I think this could be that could be wrapped Christmas <laughs> okay. themed. It could be wrapped inside this question. <laughs> right. Okay. Christmas themed. Wrapped up. All right. Let me just unwrap this a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, was that if like, it is just one meal, but if we do that every night through all of December, it starts to add up and accumulate. Right. And then there comes a meltdown, you know, the kids had a die or something, everybody's falling apart. So Mm. with kids, since you and I both have youngins to bring about, Mm. then I try to make Mm. sure they're very invested in and participating in the decisions, how the things will make them feel. And some of them at certain ages are more aware of that than others. And um, if you're bringing food to an event that you aren't hosting, I, there are things you can bring that are really high quality, but aren't just ridiculously expensive you know so um deviled eggs with kraut juice is one I like to bring or make the stuffing with your homemade bread that's really economical Mm -hmm. and of course lacto-fermented coleslaw and beet slaw those always get snapped up and they're easy to make and not super expensive even with really premium ingredients and they don't necessarily seem like weird food mm, no no they're very familiar yeah very familiar my coleslaws always disappear and they're just mayo, shredded cabbage and or beets and or onions and or carrots, depending on what I have. I've done just cabbage before. Rice, wine, vinegar, and kraut juice. Yeah. That's it. Sounds delicious. Everybody else goes bonkers for it. Let's dive um, into the children a little bit more because that is kind of an area that I I have felt stressed about in the past yeah and I've had to you know each Christmas with Gabriel I've learned and I've learned what works and I've watched him react and I've watched me react and Rob react and I think it's when whenever Gabriel's with me around Christmas you know the food he eats in this house I'm giving him really good food so most of the time when he's with me over at the Christmas period he's getting good food I also do make treats you know like I'll make the fermented gingerbread and I'll give it to him mm. to take into school. So he's getting to eat gingerbread made with, you know, local spelt flour and unpasteurized honey with maybe some of my 100% cacao chocolate on the top, you know. And and he often makes that with me. And I think if you, it's just like, you know, with, with anyone, the more you get involved in your food, the more you value it and appreciate it and don't kind of see it as... Um, the only word I'm thinking of is crack, you know, just like a, a thing to overeat on and and use as something to abuse yeah. yourself. And I think kids kids learn the same, you know, they if you're doing that and you're getting involved, 
and you're valuing your food and you pull them into the recipes and get them enthused and involved, then they're going to value their food because they're, you're giving that off mm -hmm. and you're giving them the chance to learn that too. And so I'll get Gabriel involved in the um, fermented gingerbread and, and other things that I make over Christmas and I'll give him them to take out. And I know that, you know, when he goes to someone else's house, there's going to be lots of other really not very nice treats, not as nice as the fermented gingerbread. And, you know, maybe he'll have some of them. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll eat the fermented gingerbread as well. But he knows what's involved in it. And like you said earlier, I've talked to him about it. I've talked to him about the food. I've talked to him about what to expect. I've talked to him and he, and he knows how we live every day. And then I feel like I just have to let it go because I've done as much as I mm -hmm. can, you know, and I, yeah. each Christmas that goes along, I learn a bit and I learn that there's no point because once he's out of the house with someone else, I can fall back on what I've given him, you know, in our house up to that point right. through all of our food adventures. But then it's, it's up to him. And you know what? Like I said before, it's just, it's not the whole of the year. It's not all the time. And so... Mm. I have to learn to let go. <laughs> and I think the thing so, that sticks mm. with us after we leave, you know, good training, I mean, some of us have to leave home and then forcefully reprogram ourselves. But mm. um, I was fortunate in that I was able to take the good things. You know, my parents gave me good things and I was able to take that with me. And mm. it it's the things that they taught me to choose not the things that they forced on me with no participation from me whatsoever. Yeah. You know, that's the things that stick with me now. Yeah. I think, I think that's yeah. wonderful. And that's all credit to, to your parents for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that it, you yeah. know, it's, it's not just a, a lesson for kids. It's a, a lesson for all of us knowing um, when to give way and knowing that the, the yeah. principles are more important than the, general specifics of any one day you know there's something bigger here than just mm -hmm. these few days and really it's not that important in the in the whole scheme of things I agree the relationships are what will last and things like that yeah. um yeah. if your kids just remember you screaming with grandma about the ingredients of the gravy <laughs> yeah the Christmas is effectively ruined and whereas they could have yeah. probably yeah. tolerated that sodium glutamate or whatever and yeah you know passed it through with the help of some ferments the next day and moved on with their life <laughs> yeah, oh man indeed. yeah that being so said we've though, got another... when I, yeah i go was on. gonna say when i go places if people ask me what i want to bring i do often offer to bring the dessert because that is one of okay. the things that can just be yeah catastrophically bad yeah. you know filled with red dye and corn syrup and things like that. I'll take the GMO turkey over the red dye and the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then I always make sure that I bring a ferment with me and I'm not talking about wine here so that when I'm eating my meat or whatever, I can have the ferment mm. with it. And everybody else always wants to participate, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking of yeah. something that I heard on a Ben Greenfield podcast that struck me hmm. sometime earlier in the year where he said, you know, I'd much rather eat um, a ton of white sugar than eat vegetable oils because, you know, it's yeah. going to hit my, it's going to hit me that sugar, but my body can yeah. do something with it. Whereas yes, that vegetable oil is going to go in my cells and my cells are going to kind of be built from it. And yeah. I can't detox that in the same way. And yeah, the desserts, it's not just sugar they have in, you know, they have in goodness no. knows what from the store, all the additives. But at the same time, you know, if you don't have particular sensitivities to sugar, um, I feel like homemade desserts feel mm -hmm. like to me less kind of toxic than things that are cooked in vegetable oils. Um, yeah, but I, I would yeah, agree it's a learning curve. Depends on how you react to them yourself. Because I, I'm not good with sugar at all. So um, I'd probably just avoid both. But <laughs> I don't feel so bad, yeah. Gable, having a little bit of sugar every now and again. Because I think you know he runs around like crazy, and he can he can cope with it because he doesn't have it at home. You know. Yeah, yeah. And there's like like Ben was 
alluding to. There's things that our bodies are already made to be able to process. And um, synthetic things are really hard on us. And the toxic yeah. and oxidized seed oils are really tough for your body to deal with. And they, they linger in us for years and years. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about yep. um, overindulgence because we had a specific <laughs> question on that and it's it's tied to Christmas very strongly. Um, Kelsey, one of our patrons, asked, do you personally indulge slightly from time to time? And how do you determine when not to? And I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, Andrea, before I potentially say anything. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> Gluttony is a sin. <laughs> oh, tis the season for gluttony. Um, well, interestingly, Alison, Advent is actually supposed to be a season of like abstinence. Yeah, um, yeah. And then we celebrate on Christmas. So yeah. it's so funny that for us now, December is kind of evolved into one long perpetual feast, um, yeah. which I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying um, when people say, oh, I want to be traditional, but then I'll say, well, basically more or less fast for all of December and then you mm -hmm. on Christmas if mm -hmm. you want to be traditional. The medievals trying to survive were just like, how not to die over Christmas, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. But um, for me, I find that usually indulging turns out to have not been worth it. And mm. over repeated times of being, oh, I'll just do this, this once, and then feeling horrible afterwards over time, that regret and the consciousness of how it makes me feel starts to build and yeah. prevents me from even wanting the thing that I used to indulge in. Um, and I know we've talked before about like, where is your line? What line do you not cross? And I would say mm -hmm. that my line just keeps moving farther and farther back into the, yeah. you know, nourishing traditions slash ancestral. Like there's things that I'll say, well, this is fine, you know, just this once. But over time, I find myself less able to say that about certain things. And mm -hmm. I think I still have flexibility. Um, I don't know, but I say that as I live in a bubble. Right. And then I leave the bubble yes. and I'm like, oh, I can never, you know, but I feel in my head, Oh, I'm so flexible. And then I go somewhere and somebody's like, would you like Doritos and yeah. Oreos? And I'm like, what? You know? they still so, exist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I, every once in a while I'm like, they still make those things. <laughs> and cigarettes <laughs> too. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know. I live in a bubble now. So, and a lot of, a lot of people live in this bubble. So um, yeah. it's not like I intentionally go out and say, which friends of mine like ancestral food, but those of us that are drawn to similar things end up in similar circles and yep. end up spending time together and end up liking the same things. And so, you know, when I get together with my moms and they've got, you know, one of them brings sourdough, another one's bringing water kefir and sauerkraut, and someone else is bringing, you know, fermented chutney. And so that doesn't feel like I have to struggle. Yeah. Um, That's so, nice. That's really nice. Yeah. In a way, we've achieved something similar by moving countries. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're very, we're, Rob and I are both introverts and we like our time at home resting with Gabriel together. And mm -hmm. so that's our bubble. Um, but, you know, yeah. we do we do go out and like you said, you you attract people towards you who have similar ideals and ideas. Um, so I haven't really been around the kind of normal Christmas food for a few years now. I do think, though, it, similar to you, it's been a journey of slowly learning for me that getting feedback of oh I just ate a bit too much of that and I feel really rubbish and I'm not going to do that again and it takes it's taken a long time for me to learn that but really yeah, I, I feel too. like I, I I get to the point where I I look at foods that are kind of in the normal world and they just don't seem like food to me they seem like some sort of franken food like you've used that yeah, word before yeah. and so when yeah. I see them on a table I just I, I don't eat that. It's not food, you know. And you know, yeah, I still got the opportunity, obviously, the to over in exactly. And I, I just, I, I've got to the point now where I just, 
I'm not interested in them. But that through years and years and years of kind of doing doing the work and eating this way. And I, and, and I love my food. I love being involved in my food. I love savouring my food here. And it's just, it's a joy. And I, there's no way I'd want to go back to that. I also, yeah. you know, there's still the opportunity for me to obviously overindulge in the food that I've made here, which is really nice. But again, I just, I feel the same thing. I, it, and it surprised me that the last few years I've watched myself with delicious food in front of me that tastes amazing, that in the past I just would have got another spoonful and I would have carried on until I felt ill, you know, or yeah. just even just a little bit ill, knowing that I've given my digestion too much to do. But the last few years I just, something about doing this for this long and the food and maybe the nutrients that are in my system now that weren't before, I just kind of stop. I just think, well... I'm I'm satisfied now and that will go in the fridge and it will taste even better when the flavours have mulched together tomorrow and I can eat it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I don't really do it much anymore. I think there's yeah. a, you know, everyone's on a different stage of the journey and for many years I've been on very different stages of that journey. But um, to have faith that it, it does get easier the more you, that you do it. Um, and the more you notice the consequences yeah. of what you're doing as well. Um, but, yeah, all of the other things it's about more... being involved and valuing and that kind of thing come in too. Yeah. Yes. What were you going to say, Andrew? And, and Christmas being the fruition of all that, you know, ordo amoris, like ordering mm -hmm. your loves, shaping your loves. Like to you, you've ordered your loves such that, you know, rather than being addicted to the stress of rushing place to place, you understand that your first primary love is going to be, um, you know, spending the time at home, resting yep. with Gabe and Rob and, and spending time together. Yep. And so it's not a fight for you to resist the other thing because your loves are in order for you. Yeah. And it's not the same for each person, Yeah, but um, knowing that you have them in order makes them rise to the top so much more yeah, effortlessly completely. and with the food instead of struggling and fighting against our will we are shaping our loves and our biome mm. over time so that we desire we crave or we're repelled by the things that don't serve yeah. us anymore and that's just life yeah all of it you said it beautifully so maybe we can finish on the other question from kelsey which was is okay. it worth it and how much has your opinion on that changed over the years? And, you know, really feeding on from what you said, Andrea, which was beautiful. That's how I feel. And yes, gosh, it's worth it. It's it's worth it in the time that I'm spending with the two people that I love the most in the world and the wonderful food I'm creating and the time we have to, to eat it and share it together. And the, you know, deliberateness we've made in what's around us and the way that we're giving to each other over the season and sharing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't always feel like that at all. When I was at mm -hmm. home with my parents, Christmas was very, very different. And as I grew up, I had a husband before Rob, Christmas was very different. And it mm -hmm. was, it was based on completely different values. And very often it didn't seem worth it. You know, it just seemed like mm -hmm. a big faff. And a time that I had to recover from afterwards. Whereas now it it gives, it feeds into our family's life. And it's a chance for creative expression and spiritual kind of practice and joy. And mm -hmm. and so, yeah, it, taking all these steps to move away from the mainstream with food and with all of the other things makes it worth it because I value it so much more. Yeah. And I would second that, Allison. Is it worth it? Kelsey asked. And in the spirit of Christmas and giving and all of that, I would say, yes, it is, because it's not just about you. At a certain point, you're taking people with you. You took not just you and Rob and Gabe, but everybody that you're touching through the podcast is coming with you. And then people start to tell you things. People in your life will say, oh, guess what? I got a turkey from a farm by us because they know you'll be excited to hear about that. Mm. Or they'll say, hey, 
guess what? The Brussels sprouts I got, they're organic and you get to celebrate those things with them. Mm. And you get to know that you, by ordering your loves and finding out what is worth it to you are helping with that effort of changing the world a plate at a time. Yeah, completely. You gave me goosebumps when you were talking then. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, before we, before we finish up, I'd like to wish everyone who's listened to us this year, a very happy Christmas and peaceful and a joyful Christmas. And, um, Mm. if you've enjoyed our episode do leave us a review on apple if you're listening on apple or share the podcast with someone if there's someone you think needs some help to get through the christmas yes. period pass this on to them andrea Stuff do you want... our stocking with reviews yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want for christmas exactly we love that uh make, make a good ones though <laughs> yeah nice ones exactly <laughs> Wonderful. If you have a bad review, just send it to us personally. We'll fix it. There are um, <laughs> instructions in the show notes on how to um, review on Apple if you've not done it before. And yeah, yeah. we would we would love to see those in our stockings. Thank, thank you, you, guys. This thank is the you. greatest gift. Thank you. Well, thank you, Alison. This was so pleasant and lovely. Yeah. Happy Christmas. As always. Happy Christmas to you too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram, Andrea's at Farm and Hearth and Allison's at Ancestral underscore Kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.